This is the Photo Experiment Podcast, brought to you by PhotoBiz X. Welcome to episode 13 of the Photography Experiment Podcast. Today's special guest is Donato DiCamillo. He's a street photographer based in New York, and he has reached what I feel is the holy grail of photographers and creatives in that his photography is becoming recognizable as his. And I really do believe he is destined to be one of the photographers of all time if he continues with the way he's going right now. This episode of the podcast is brought to you and sponsored by Studio Ninja. It's the CRM and studio management software built by photographers for photographers. It features a beautiful and intuitive design, and I'll tell you more about them later in the show. Today's guest is New York street and people photographer, Donato DiCamillo. I discovered his work via Instagram and was immediately drawn to his up-close and environmental style and the people he was photographing. It was as if a mix of Bruce Gilden and Martin Parr had been blended and a striking new portfolio was being born. It was magic. Donato has a past that includes prison and a tough childhood, which I'm guessing influences his photography today. He says, I love amazing differences in people and how beautifully unique we all are. Good, bad or indifferent, people never cease to amaze me. I'm wrapped to have him with me now. Donato, welcome. Hey, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Mate, uh, it's my pleasure. I'm loving what you're doing. Maybe you can give the listener an example or an idea of the type of photography that you do. Did I describe it right? You know, environmental and up-close portraits? Well, my portraits are usually up-close. First, I'd like to start off by saying I'm really not a technical fanatic. I learned how to use a camera through you know, trial and error. And it was just a few short years ago when I actually picked up a camera. And my approach, I guess you could say it's it's a bit aggressive. In the beginning, it was a bit aggressive. But as time went by, I learned learning the mechanics of the camera. I became a little bit more docile. I tamed myself a bit, if you will. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean by aggressive? Aggressive meaning I was never the type of person to hide to be invisible, if you will. You know, most photographers on the street, street style photographers, they try to blend into the environment and try to be invisible. Me, I was actually the opposite. I approached people like it was an attack. It was like I was on a hunt. <laughs> <laughs> like I was on a hunt for, uh, you know, just a bit, it was like I was on, on a hunt basically. And I can see that. I mean, I know that when I look at your photos, and certainly some of them, it looks like you've caught people off guard. But I also, when I watch your YouTube videos, I know you have a conversation with most of your subjects. Does the conversation happen before or after the photography? Well, sometimes it's before and sometimes it's after. It depends on the situation, on what photograph I'm trying to, I'm trying to get at, at that moment. Most of the times, if I see somebody in a certain, you know, a compromising position or what have you, I'll come in more aggressively and I'll take the photograph without asking permission. And then afterward, I will, you know, I'll explain what I'm about and why I do what I do and what I'm looking to achieve when I photograph, why I'm photographing the way I am anyway. Could you give me an example of how that conversation would go. Let's say, you know, you saw me walking down the street and I was in a compromising position <laughs> and you jumped up and grabbed a photo of me and I got upset. Yeah. I said, hey, what are you doing, mate? You know, what would your reply be? Okay, first I got to tell you, I got to shake these cobwebs off. 
because this I'm not used to interviews. But anyway, it's happened a lot. In the beginning, when I first started the street photography, it happened a lot. But being from the street, growing up on the street, I learned to read people's body, body behavior, their behaviors. You get to learn people mannerisms before you approach. Uh, I don't know if it makes any sense, but psychologically, you learn how to how to read people, their body through body language, maybe, uh, if you will, certain cell signs that tell me whether or not to take a photograph. And based on, on how my instinct, what my instinct tells me, it's usually the difference whether I take a photograph or not. The streets have taught me a lot. And, you know, they taught me a lot of bad and they taught me a lot of good. But I do use a lot of my street smarts and I incorporate it with taking photographs. I totally get that. And I can see that I get the sense that, you know, you've grown up in the street and you know who you can and who you can't approach, you know, when to do it. But what do you actually say to someone if they say, hey, what are you doing? You know, and you said to me that, you know, you explain to them what you're trying to achieve. Like, what is that? Well, I have to rewind the tape a bit, you know, in the beginning. I mean, again, it's been, you know, from 2012 I would say that I started really aggressively photographing on the streets. And when I mean aggressively, I mean a few times a week. And to me, that's a lot. And I got lost there for a second. <laughs> that's cool. I'm just curious about, you know, when someone doesn't like the fact you've taken a photo. Oh, okay. Right. When they don't like the photo, I just basically tell them it's what I do and I give them the option, you know, to have me delete the photo. I, I delete the photo in front of them. I use a, a digital camera most of the time, so they're able to see, you know, me delete the photograph. Yeah, okay. Do they ask you, like, is this for a magazine? Is this for a project? I mean, do you give any explanation or you just say, it's just for me? Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. I mean, depending on how I feel, if I'm feeling hungry enough where... I'm on, you know, sometimes I catch a little rhythm when I'm on a roll and I'm catching a lot of, you know, some good work and it happens sometimes in spurts and I won't have anyone break my rhythm by a bunch of, you know, questions that I really don't feel like needs to be answered. In other words, I just tell them I'm a photographer. It's what I do, basically. You know, I don't I don't say it in a rude way. I just say it's what I do, you know, just like you're a policeman or you're a fireman. It's something that I do and something that I love. So it goes as far as that, telling them that I love what I do and it's just it's just part of what I do. It's not to hurt anyone really. Cool. I want to talk more about your history and how you got into the whole photography thing and you know how you've developed this style. But let me just talk about the, or let me ask you about your beach photography. Because I know that if I went down to the beach in Australia with a camera and I started photographing kids and women and just people on the beach, I'd be getting a lot of strange, I'd probably have the police turn up. Yeah. And so, you know, how does that work for you? Well, look, you know, like I said, you know, you have to be sensible about it. I'm not going to, you know, I tend to use a flash a lot as well, so... When you're flashing somebody in their face, it's a little bit, a little bit that much more annoying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like I said, yeah, I mean, anyone with common sense will tell you if I see a child, you know, that's maybe on the beach or his dad is letting him take a whiz in the corner in the street, I'm not going to go over and snap a photograph of a child 
with his bare bottom without the permission of the father. It's just not my style to do anything like that, you know, to intrude on on a child in that way. If it's kids playing in a park and they're playing in a sprinkler or on the swings, I easily just walk over to parents and explain I'm a photographer and this is what I do. Some of my work has been published, but I do it really for my own pleasure. Most of the times, I would say nine out of ten times, they really don't have a problem with it. Yeah, right, nice. Do you have to get model releases from any of the people that you photograph, or do you just take them and move on? Well, it depends. A few agencies, like Getty, I signed with Getty, and Getty is, um, they insist that you have a model release for any photographs that are being sold to Getty. So you carry that contract now around with you and have people sign it? I got to tell you, it's difficult because nine out of ten times the shots that are... What, what happens when you produce a contract, it also evokes a lot of questions from who you're photographing. Right away, they think you're making a ton of money. They think, you know, it's true. They think, you know, it's being published somewhere. You're making money. They want to make money off of it. So there's a whole bunch of questions that come with the releases, unless I'm familiar with the person and they understand that I'm doing it for whatever purpose that I'm doing it for, you know? Mm -hmm. Did you have this contract in your pocket when you're walking down the street now, just in case? Yeah, I have a few contracts, a few releases, you know, if I see something that I think is marketable and I have a chance of having someone sign it, yeah, I will ask someone to sign a release. Cool. How did you get into photography? I actually learned, I learned in prison. I, mean, I didn't learn in prison. Years ago, I was always a big fan of National Geographic and Time Magazine, Life Magazine, all these publications with a lot of photographs of distant places, and if you will, and places from all over the world, all, all these beautiful photographs I used to notice. And that's what really sparked my interest in photography. I wondered who was behind the photographs it's really it's not too often where people stop and think where are these photographs coming from and who's actually you know who's shooting these photographs but it did start as a child playing around with the idea in the house i mean we come from a lower income family and my family couldn't afford uh, cameras back then and the closest i got to a camera was you know playing with an old polaroid making believe I was taking pictures. but <laughs> So no film in the Polaroid? Right, no film and just clicking off fake photographs, uh, terrorizing my sisters. <laughs> Love it. So when did you get your first camera? I bought my first camera in 2012, I, believe. I think, no, 2011, I believe, I bought my first camera. So this is right after you come out of prison? Yes, this was right after I came. Either it was, I can't really remember if it was before... Because, you know what, it was before I went to prison because I remember being on house arrest for two years and I was going bonkers. And I had bought, through mail, I had bought a Canon Rebel XSI. That was my first DSLR camera. And you were just photographing around the house? Yeah, for two years I photographed insects. Yeah, I photographed insects. Uh, anything that, you know, water. But, you know, I learned a bit about lighting and the speed, the timing of photographs and the ISO and, you know, just the major, you know, the the main functions of the camera. 
and that was it. That was the beginning of my photographic career. <laughs> <laughs> so you were on house arrest for two years, and that's when you had your camera, and then you go to prison after that. Right. Are you allowed to have a camera in prison? No, 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 no. Prison opened my mind to the possibilities of maybe, you know, exploring the avenue of photography while I was in prison. I caught the bug when I was on house arrest, but it was prison while I was laid up in prison. I mean, there's not much you could do in prison, but get in shape, work out and read and get in trouble. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's basically those three that you could occupy your time with. And I'm not, you know, a troublemaker. So I like to read. And I took the, you know, I took advantage of the fact that there was a library and it had plenty of issues of National Geographic and photo magazines. And once in a while, I'd get to use the prison computer and, you know, redo a lot of research. I started doing research on conflict photographers, Eddie Adams and a few others. And that's where, that's where I learned a little bit more in depth about what, that, that's where I really discovered what photography was about, for me anyway. See, now I'm really curious. So when you're there, you're reading about photography, you're reading about war photographers and conflict photography. Yeah. When you come out, do you become the photographer that you are now immediately because of what you read? No, it took time. I mean, today I'm still my worst, you know, I'm my worst critic. I think as photographers, we are our worst critics. I mean, I am. I could say for myself, I could speak for myself when I'm saying any photograph that I take is just not good enough. It's almost become an obsession with me. And, you know, I, I've uh, come a long way as far as, you know, aesthetics. But, yeah, it's tough. It could be, uh, it's tough. It's tough for me. I get really, I get very engaged in the game of photography. So are you making a living from photography today? No, I wouldn't say I would make it a living, but I'm getting a lot more exposure now. I could say that, you know. Are you making money from photography? Yeah, I do. I do events here and there, but I'm not making a living. I wouldn't say it's a full-time job. No. So do you have another job that you do? Yeah, right now I got hurt on a job. I was working in a union. I'm a, a union worker in a construction union, but uh, I got hurt on a job, so I'm on disability. So it gave me a lot of time to go out and shoot a lot more in the last year. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Are you still shooting three days a week on the street today? Yeah, I'll shoot two to three days a week, yeah. Lately I've been kind of laying low. I haven't been shooting as much. But it's because I'm kind of in between projects. I'm maybe thinking about shifting gears into, you know, another series. You know, I'm just kind of backing off of the, slowly backing off of the beach theme right now. And I'm going to start with another project. So is that the Brooklyn Chronicles that you're starting? Yes. How did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me about that then. Is it an idea that comes into your head or do you look at a collection of photos you already have? With Brooklyn Chronicles? Yeah. Brooklyn Chronicles is going to be a depiction of how I grew up on the streets of Brooklyn. It's probably going to take a little bit more time. I'm going to be handling this with, you know, very delicately. This would be a, probably a more sensitive project for me. You know, because it will be reflecting on, on my life and I want it done correctly. So, 
yeah, I'm excited at the same time because it's going to be very challenging to, to create these images. Talk to me about how you even, like, how do you even frame this project? Is this something that comes to you as an idea and then you start to, you know, put parameters around and say, okay, it's got to be this, this and this. It's only going to be black and white. It's only going to be in this format. Like, do you put those restrictions on yourself at the beginning? You know, Andrew, I tell you, you know, in the world we live in today, I mean, with all that's going on with this terrorism stuff, and it's just the world is upside down and it's crazy. And I did this beach body bingo project because I felt that the world needed to see a little bit, you know, a little bit of the brighter side of things. And even if it was anyone, uh, a person on the fringes of society or, or whatnot, it didn't come off in an ugly way, I believe, anyway. No, not at all. Is that how it's been described? I try to show, I try to add a little color into the world. And usually I would shoot black and white with the street, but I feel that the color brought a little bit life, a little bit more life and a little more cheery, like a cheery type of mood, you know. And the beach is a timeless place. And there's all types of characters and beautiful people walking around and doing what they do, you know. And there's a lot of memories it's just a timeless place to be. So I thought it would be perfect to create a project that is somewhat uplifting rather than, you know, dark and gloomy because the streets can be that way. Mm-hmm. So do you think the Brooklyn Chronicles is going to have a totally different look and feel to the beach photos? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's going to be, uh, yeah. If I, could, if I could pull it off the way I, I envision it, in my mind, it's not going to be, gr- I mean, gruesome, but it will be, it's a lot more, it's, it's a bit different than what you'll be seeing, on, you know, with the Beachbody bingo uh, project. Right, okay, okay. If you know the, for example, if the Brooklyn Chronicles project is going to be black and white, and I'm not sure if it is or not, but if it is, do you go into the whole project and you only shoot black and white, or will you still capture in colour and convert to black and white later? You know, those days for me, And when I mean those days, that period of my life, I feel that it should be shot in black and white because there was a lot of dark moments in that time. And black and white brings out a certain feel, a more dramatic feel to a photograph for me. You know, some people may not think so, but I I just think that, you know, for the eye, for me, like I said, it would bring more drama. I feel that it would show more dramatic drama in a photograph. Will you actually set your camera to black and white and only shoot in black and white? Yeah, I would shoot monochrome. You know, I would set it for monochrome and meter it, you know, the same way I would meter black and white. Cool. When you go into a project, Mm -hmm. you know, and it could have been the Beachbody Bingo or your street photography or this new project, do you see something at the end? Like, do you see a book? Do you see an exhibition? You know, I got to tell you, I never did. I never saw a book. I never saw exhibitions. I didn't see any of this. My main goal was to be able to express myself the way I needed to express myself. And photography for me was that perfect outlet. It was a way for me to release anxieties, sometimes uh, frustrations. And, you know, coming from the world that I come from, the world could be a funny place, you know, and being released, you know, I've become acclimated to doing things a certain way. And then I'm introduced into the world and the rest of the world says, hey, 
you got to do the fucking right thing now. You got to be a real, you know, you got to be a, you know, it's a loss for words, yeah. Like just a straight up and down guy. You got to blend back into... Com- yes. Yeah. Um, I'm stuck. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I can imagine it must be a massive challenge. Like how long were you in prison for? Well, you know, growing up, I was always in trouble in and out. You know, I was in a lot of behavior modification programs and I had trouble with drugs part of my life. So there was some hospitals involved, you know, some little hospitals, uh, institutions. So it was a lot of it was a lot of trials. It was a lot of trials and tribulations in my life growing up in my neighborhood where I grew up on the outside. From somebody looking from the outside, you see a typical Italian-American neighborhood. But if you really knew what was going on, it was just something totally different. It was just a weird, it's hard to explain, but it was, um, it just wasn't, it wasn't what it appeared. There was a lot of darkness. There was a dark element always surrounding that neighborhood as I grew up, so... Yeah, that took a lot of toll on me, you know, and it influenced me to do a lot of things that I shouldn't have. If I'm using the right words, I don't even know if I'm using the right words. Yeah, yeah, no, I can't imagine, you know, what you've gone through. But, you know, on the upside, then I look at your work today and I think, wow, you know, would you be the same photographer if you didn't have the life that you had up until now? And the answer is probably no, isn't it? Yeah, I would say no. I would say no, you know, because it's just, you know, look, you become this person. Um, you know, I'm a fan of William Klein and uh, the way he executed his photographs. It was, it was like almost like a like a split second decision. Bruce Gilden as well. You know, these are people I relate to in that manner, you know, and then you have the Martin Paws and Eggleston's. Uh, William Eggleston's type of work that are more subtle and more mundane, if you will. But these are all things that I have in my head, you know. But the approach comes from being on the street. Yes, it does. The aggressiveness and how I shoot and the up close and the the aggressiveness that comes from from being on the street. Yeah, I would say. When you say aggressive, I mean, I know the, the listener is probably thinking, you know, you're pushy, you're getting people's faces, but I've seen you at work on your videos and you're a charming guy. I mean, you're having a laugh with the people that you're photographing. It's not aggressive pushy, is it? No. You know, I'm not very, I'm not very good with words. I guess ambitious, <laughs> uh, more ambitious, meaning, meaning uh, you know, when I thirst for a photograph, I really do. I get very, I'm very passionate, if you will, if that's a better word, maybe passionate. Yeah. For sure. You know, one of the things I've seen you do in your videos and I can see in your photography is you tend to approach people that maybe aren't used to being approached to have a photo taken and you don't seem to worry about that. You go up and talk to those people and they all seem lovely when you start talking to them. Yeah, well, you know, that's another thing that you learn from being around. You know, being in the street wasn't all in vain. You know, Andrew, I got to tell you, it wasn't all in vain because you learn how to read people. And like I said, like I mentioned before, a lot of people walk around and, and, you know, they they deal with their own issues. There's a way of making people feel comfortable. And and most people want that notoriety. They want to feel that they're important enough for you to want to take a photograph of them. That's what I found out. If you take the time out and you try to communicate with somebody, you make the attempt to communicate with somebody and you introduce yourself, 
correctly, nine out of 10 times, you know, for me, it's not a problem. You know, it's a bit of charm. It's a bit of, I guess, you know, practice as well. I mean, I was at first, it took me a little time to get used to, you know, approaching people because I thought that what I was doing was kind of weird, you know. What does this guy want? You know, he's taking a picture. What does he want a picture? Was he going to put cut my head off and put some guys, you know. You know, people think <laughs> all kinds of things, you know. Especially women, they get very, you know, they, they just want to know what it's for. And I guess it's just a matter of being me, I guess. I try to be me and I don't put on airs like, you know, anything special. And it works. It just works for me. Tell me, it might be hard to put yourself in this position. Let's say you see someone, you go out today after this interview or, you know, tomorrow morning and you see someone on the street that you want to photograph. Do you get those butterflies still? Do you still feel a little bit of nerves or do you just walk up now and say, hey, or do you go and take a photo or introduce yourself? Like, do you feel any nerves at all? No, not really. I mean, you know what I feel? I feel maybe that they're going to say no. You know, my instinct tells me, nah, she's not going to want to take the photo. You know what I mean? But I'll go ahead and push through that and find out that they did agree to take the photo. So a lot of times it's just a matter of taking the shot, you know. So you're having these little mind games yourself, even still today. Oh, sure. Of course. I mean, I have to, you know, I'm I'm comfortable with it. I have people call me all the time asking me to take them out shooting. You know, I have these young fellas call me a lot. They reach out through Instagram. I mean, I just created a website for crying out loud. You know, I've been getting a lot of positive feedback and I'm getting, you know, I have some younger guys, probably some even my age, call me and ask me to go shooting with them to teach them how to approach people. And yeah, it's a matter of just having nerve and having the confidence, I guess. You need that confidence, you know, to get close you know, and to pose people. I don't just take photographs. I'm moving their heads. I'm lifting their chins. I'm, you know, I do a lot of things that people, they always ask me, how the hell do you do you? How do you do it? Like, how do you have these, I have people laying down, bending over in these crazy positions and people always ask me how I do it. And I guess I'm just comfortable with, you know what it is? I love it. I love it, Andrew. I love what I do. To me, I'm not hurting anyone. For once, I'm doing something good. That's the way I look at it. I'm doing something that's not hurting anyone. It's bringing joy to people's lives, to the lives of a lot of people, and especially me. And, you know, and it's going pretty, it's, it's going well. It is awesome. Mate. I love it. I love how passionate you are. And I can hear that. It's so easy to sense. And, and I mean, I get that feeling from your photos too. Do you think it's teachable what you do? Do you think you could teach someone what you do? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I do small workshops. I started because I get a number of phone calls a month or inboxes or emails explaining to me that, hey, you know, I love photography, but I'm just not comfortable with people. How do you do this? And it's something that I can't teach over a phone. So, and I make it clear to them, I do have to charge. I do have to charge a fee because my time is valuable, you know? Of course. And I do have bills to pay. And sometimes I get phone calls, kids just want to hang out, you know? And I, it's, you know, if I was 16, 20 years old, I'd say, yeah, maybe, but I'm a grown man. But 
anyway, yeah, it can be taught. Sure, it can be taught. Good. Let me ask you about, you've got an Instagram account, you know, you're on YouTube, you've got lots of followers. Mm -hmm. Is that affecting the way you shoot now? Like if you put up a photo onto Instagram and let's say today's photo, it doesn't get very many likes. Will that affect you in any way? No, I don't give a shit about that. I I don't care who likes my photos or not. You know, I got to admit, in the beginning, I was like a child with this Instagram. Instagram came out. I was like checking my Instagram account. People like my photographs. What the fuck? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? You know, and it became, I stopped and I said, I'm I'm being ridiculous. Who gives a shit who likes my photographs or not? Let me just continue doing what I do and see what happens. And then. You know, things started turning around and I started paying less attention to who liked my photographs and what I liked rather than paying attention to what the public liked. You know, for me, it wasn't about money in the beginning. It's still really not about money. I would love to make more money, you know, photographing people. Of course I would. But it didn't start that way. But now I'm seeing that people do appreciate my work. And I feel that people should demand, you know, if they're they're good at what they do, they should demand to be paid for it. Why not? I agree, 100%. I do. So what's next? Is it an exhibition? Is it a book? Is it more workshops? Well, I'm hearing a lot of about gallery exhibitions. Some There's some talk, people talking to me about my work is almost at a point where I, I'm ready for a show. And for me, like I said, I'm very hard on myself when it comes to photographs, but I believe that, you know, I'm starting to put together a nice body of work where this beach body, you know, maybe into next year, probably most definitely with the photographs that I withheld in conjunction with the photographs that I already released, I probably have a solid book, if not, you know, a nice, a small gallery show. Nice, nice. I know you're not a technical photographer, but I'd love to hear about your process. So you come home from a day on the street. Yeah. What do you do? What happens? When do those photos get looked at? When do you start editing? How do you edit? I fucking hate editing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, you know what? I don't hate it. I don't hate it. But you know what? Beachbody bingo began as an exercise for me. And when I say that, I say it to say this. I was going out and shooting... I mean, I was shooting anywhere from 100 to 200 to 300 photographs and coming home and saying, what the fuck? And I had to go through every photo. And, and, you know, I would, of course, know when I got a decent shot and refer to that. But sometimes you go back and you look and you see that you didn't even realize that there was something in a frame and you did have a shot. You know what I mean? You accidentally get a shot sometimes. But having to go through 100 to 200 photographs began to become like a grueling process for me. So what I did with this beach body bingo was I disciplined myself by shooting anywhere from 10 to 20 to maybe 30 tops per day. Wow. So you were very strict on yourself. Yes, because you know what? It was just a matter of, of slowing down for me. Slowing down taught me to, to look to look more, to be more observant. And, you know, my photography, the way I look at it, it's this certain, uh, there's a bit of soul to it. You know, I'm I'm looking for like a bit of soul to a photograph and it separates it from a snapshot. You know, you're a photographer, so you know, you know, there's snapshots and then there's a photograph. There's a beautiful 
photographs. So yeah, I started shooting with a rangefinder and taking my time in it. And that's what that whole beach body bingo, that's how the whole project started. Through uh, So slowing down and shooting less has helped your photography? Yes. Yes, it has. It taught me to also to engage in people more. I don't know if you saw the latest video where... The schizophrenia? No, that's another project that I'm really looking forward to expanding. But um, no, not the schizophrenia. <laughs> Even though, you know, you have to be empathetic with these people. So, you know, it took two years for me to talk to the woman that's on that small, um, that bit of footage there. Two years for you to get the courage to talk to her? No, no. I said hello for two years, but she didn't say hello for two years. And then when she finally did... She said, hello, I'll fucking kill you. (laughs) But now we have established a relationship where, you know, where, like I said, I mean, I could talk for hours, but another thing is becoming familiar with your surroundings helps a lot as well. So the beach body bingo, that project, I was, was frequenting that area so much where people began to know who I was. So it made my job easier. You know, they saw, hey, that's the guy with the camera or that's Donato. Hey, that's Donato. You know, so a lot of people, shop owners, from shop owners to homeless to, you know, to the mentally ill, they all know me in that area now. I become part of who they are as well. So it made my job easier as far as uh, when I had to go shoot. Uh I want to ask you more about your editing, but when you say these people get to know you, And they know you're the photographer. Do they ever see your photography? Do they do they ever ask for your Instagram account? Or? Sure. Yeah, sure. I used to have it, but actually when I got, I was taking a photograph and I jumped in the water with my bag. I had a few photographs that I would show and they got wet. And uh, I used to carry, uh, you know, hard copies, photographs, but now I'll take out a tablet and show them, flip through the, the images. I'm sorry. I get caught. My... Uh, my accent, I'm trying to be proper, but I... <laughs> Just be yourself, be yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking nuts. I'm... <laughs> so hang on, if you take a photo of someone, will you upload it to your iPad straight away and then show them, or it's from the last time you were there? Nah, I don't do that. I go back, you know, I always give a card out, and that helps too, that helps too. Uh, okay, like a business card. Yeah, it helps generate viewers as well, you know, and when they see what I'm about, I get a lot of positive feedback. You know, they email me, oh, could I have that picture? You know, because a lot of photographs they don't use and they call and they probably think I post every photo I take and they call me, you know, uh, oh, did you have that photograph? Could you please send me the photograph? And I always do. I always send them a photograph, at least through email, you know. Hmm. I mentioned earlier that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Studio Ninja. If you haven't checked out the software, I would love for you to check it out. It is amazing. It is very, very simple. It's different to most studio management software out there in that it's beautifully designed. It's easy to use. It's not full of a whole lot of junk that you're never going to use. And it's been designed by photographers and photographers in Australia, no less, which is very, very cool. One of the things that Chris and Juan, who are the designers behind Studio Ninja, pride themselves on is the fact that they are in constant contact with their users and they're deploying new features every two to three weeks and modifying and changing and adapting the software to suit 
what you, the users, want after giving your suggestions and feedback. What their aim is with Studio Ninja is to shape the way the software grows so they build exactly what you want from the software. Now, the way they do this is by being available to you as a user, and you can get in touch with them via Facebook, by phone, email. They have a special support line. They have an active Facebook group. So when you have an issue, a suggestion, some feedback for the guys, it's very, very easy to get in touch, and they have a 100% response rate, and usually within a two-hour time limit, which is just amazing. Now, one of the hardest things with new software like this and trying to break into the market is getting some of the bigger and more established photographers to change from what they're already using, but that hasn't been the case with Studio Ninja. They already have photographers like Kristen Cook, who you would have heard interviewed on the Photo Biz X podcast, an amazing photographer, super talented, with an incredible business. She has built one of the most successful baby photography business in Australia, and she does that working around having a family by being totally organized, relying on Studio Ninja to help manage what she's doing in her business, and her whole business operates within school hours, so it doesn't interfere with her family life. Another user that you may be familiar with is Shireen Hammond. She also relies on Studio Ninja every day to manage her client and operation needs. And just to know, photographers like that have switched from what they were already doing. Photographers that are so focused on the business side of their photography business have changed from what they're already using over to Studio Ninja. It says a lot about the software. It's very, very cool. I'd love for you to go and check it out. Head over to studioninjacrm.com. That's studioninjacrm.com to sign up for a free trial. And once you have your free trial installed, email Chris or Juan over at Studio Ninja. Mention the Photography Experiment podcast and you'll get an extra three months free with your Studio Ninja subscription. You know when you said that you're shooting less now, so you might come home from a shoot like a day on the beach and have 30 or 40 images. Do you pick your favourites and delete the rest or do you archive them just in case there's something there? You know, I had a habit of deleting photographs, but, you know, I buy memory cards and I don't throw them out. I download them or upload them, whatever you call it, and uh, I'll choose what I want and uh, I'll mark the card. I'll put a, a date on it and put it in a sleeve and refer back to it at a later date and see if I missed anything. But other than that, yeah, I don't delete. I always have something. I always have a backup, but I usually just hold on to the card and just buy new cards. Wow. Well, so you're treating your cards like film. Well, you know what? I got to tell you, Andrew, when I first started, I shot the most important photographs. For me, they were the most important photographs. And I had a horrible computer crash and I was devastated. I was devastated that I lost these photographs and they weren't anything that was, you know, worthy of any kind of show or anything like that. I wouldn't think so, but they were important to me. And when that happened, I was extremely upset. There were photographs that I had taken that photographs that I could say that I really liked from when I first came home. And it was something that I referred back to you know, to give me more push or more encouragement to create better photographs. And when I lost them, I was kind of disappointed, you know. So I always hold on to, I'll always, you know, back up. I have a hard drives, but I always hold the cards anyway. And if I die, somebody will find my cards. Maybe they'll have to come the new uh, Vivian Mir. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'll find a trunk with me in it. 
<laughs> I've got two more things I want to ask you about, and I want to talk about the camera first because I don't want to make this interview about yeah. cameras and that sort of thing. But you said you mentioned rangefinder there. Does that mean you're shooting a Leica these days? Yes, I am shooting a Leica. Has that changed your photography? Yes, it has. It's so much harder than so much harder than you know. It's, it really made me respect you know these master photographers, these pros that shoot by instinct. You know, I'm talking about by instinct. What I mean is, you know, on the streets, you know, framing it and, and getting a great exposure with a range find. It's, it could be very difficult. And it just taught me a great respect for people that use range finders back in the days when they were shooting film with, God, the ISO was, what, 1500? I mean, tops. And then, you know, it just, uh, yes, to answer your question, Yes, it's a bit more difficult, but it teaches you a hell of a lot more. Yeah, right. So you're shooting a digital Leica. Yeah. Have you got a favorite lens? I share usually my go-to lens is a 35. I mean, I can't go wrong with a 35, 35 or 24. Yeah. Mate, last little thing I want to ask you about is your family. What do they think about your success and your photography and what you're doing now? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, The success? (laughs) Well. I don't know. You're being very kind. And I appreciate it, Andrew. Yeah, but they are pretty amazed by the images that I've uh, been able to come up with. You know, they're just amazed by how I approach people. They're amazed by everything that I've been doing with photography. My family and friends alike, (laughs) they just don't understand where I'm coming. They had no idea that I had this disability in me, you know, you know, not only with the photography, but with the people. When you say your family, are your parents still alive? Do they see what you're doing? Yes, yes. My parents are alive and they're very dear to me. And I, I always show them uh, my work, you know, the bits that I like a lot. I got supportive sisters that love my work and, you know, a girlfriend that loves my work. You know, they're my cheerleaders. And it's from where, you know, in contrast to where I come from, it's all a big, you know, they just would have never imagined in a million years that I would be this person with the camera in his hand and taking photographs in regards to how I used to be. Yeah, I can imagine. It must be a huge contrast. It must be amazing for them to see you now. It, it is. It really is. I'm even sometimes I lay in bed and I'm like, who am, who am I? Where did this fucking guy come from? You know what I mean? I I, I really do. I really do question myself. Sometimes I'm in the car taking a drive and I'm going to shoot. I'm like, you're a fucking photographer? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That is so good. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all good, man. And I I love, you know, everybody inspires me. You know, I learn from everyone. I learn from people that have been shooting for a couple of weeks to the masters, to the pros, to anybody I could learn off of. So it's a great outlet for anyone, I believe. Well, just quickly, you mentioned inspiration. Where do you go looking for inspiration? Where do I go? Yeah, well, where do you look? Do you go online? Do you go to a library? Do you go to a bookstore? Well, you know... Well, I got my inspiration from online and, you know, street photography has become so saturated with the cell phones and the use of cell phones and, you know, everybody's a photographer these days. So my real reference point is probably back, you know, either to high-end fashion photographers. I mean, there's so many, 
yeah, there's so many, but from fashion photographers to uh, the conflict photographers to, you know, any anybody that produces great work is an inspiration. Even, like I said, even, you mean names? You want names? Like- oh, no, no, I'm just curious because, you know, you mentioned some of these greats like, you know, William Klein and Martin Parr and, you know, these guys, are you following them closely like i'm just curious do you go down and look through books do you buy books do you just search around online you know i gotta tell you something funny and you're gonna laugh at it because it's very peculiar i buy books that i seldom open and i skim through them and i i could pay up to in upwards to 200 300 for a book and i'll look at it i'll view it i'll view through a couple of photographs and i'll close the book because somewhere in my sick mind is telling me that I must come up with my own fingerprint. And if I look at people's work too much, I feel that I'd be stealing their method or their, you know, the way they shoot. And it's crazy, I know, but I'm trying to create my own look. So if anybody looks at my photographs, I want them to say, that's got to be one of Donato's photo. That looks like Donato's photo. I don't want it to be mixed up with anyone else. I don't want to be put in that category that I just get lost in, you know, because like I said, there's so many photographers out there. I want to be a little unique, a little different, and I want to stand out a little bit, you know. Yeah, mate. Well, I, I can tell you with hand of my heart, honesty, that you are well on your way there and your work already stands out and it's recognizable. And yeah, mate, I'm, I can see you being a, a huge name in the photography world. That's for sure. So, really? And I truly mean that. If you don't mind me asking, which photographs, and I always ask, I always ask anyone that inquires about my photography that you've seen that you might like more than any others, any of my pictures that you might like. You mean an individual picture? Because if I look through your beach work, yeah, yeah, that's the stuff. Okay, that's the photography that resonates for me. So, which one would you say that you like more than the most? Yeah, do you know what? Like, even the guy, like, there's a guy standing with his little red speedo, okay, <laughs> pointing at himself. You know, something like that is is so good. And I think part of the reason is because I don't think I would ever have the guts <laughs> to take that photo. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that would scare me for him to see me taking that shot. But that's just one. You know, even with the lady with the plastic bag over her head, you know, sunbaking. <laughs> Crazy, that's isn't funny. it? Yeah, and, you know, I love your street work, but I think the stuff on the beach, it just shows the beach in a way that I think, that I imagine the beach really is. And you're picking out the characters that um, that I think I would notice as well, but would be too scared to photograph. That's, uh, that's very, very cool. Okay, great. I love it. All right, so I'm going to send you a signed copy. My first signed copy of that photograph will be number one photograph. Fantastic, fantastic. Donato, look, I know I've talked about Instagram. I know you mentioned your website. Where is the best place for the listener to go and check out your work? Right now, Instagram would be Donato DiCamillo, D-O-N-A-T-O-D-I-C-A-M-I-L-L-O.com. So that's straight, all straight, DonatoDiCamillo.com. Fantastic. I'm going to add links to your Instagram account, to YouTube videos, and also to your website so people can easily find those and, yeah, and go and check out your work if they haven't already because, like I said, it's awesome, mate. It really is. And I just want to say thanks again for coming on the show. I know this is the first time we've used Skype, and, yeah, it was good to get this happening, and I really appreciate you coming on. I love what you're doing, man, and thanks for having me. It was a real pleasure. 
Alrighty, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Donato DiCamillo. Donato, if you're listening, mate, thank you so much again, mate. It was a, a real pleasure to have you on the show. I'm loving following you on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and seeing what you're up to. And uh, I honestly meant everything I said in the lead up to the show. And uh, I know that you are going to be one of the names of the century in regard to street photographers and photography in general. I absolutely love what you're doing, mate. For you, the listener, I've got links to anything and everything that Donato mentioned in the show notes over at photobizx.com forward slash TPX13. Links to all his social media profiles and the photographer's he mentioned in the interview. A big thanks to Studio Ninja, to Chris and Juan for sponsoring today's episode. Go and check them out if you're looking for some studio management software or you're looking for something a lot more simple than you're already using now. Not only simple, but more beautiful. Head over to studioninjacrm.com to find out more. All right, have an awesome week and I'll chat to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Photo Experiment Podcast with Andrew Helmich, brought to you by PhotoBizX, the podcast to help you build a successful portrait and wedding photography business. To learn more, head to PhotoBizX.com. I'm going to try a bit of street photography after talking to you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> doesn't pay well you got to really bang people over the head to get real money out of it (laughs) yeah well hopefully an exhibition or a book and uh, that's going to turn things around and bring some real dollars in yeah yeah definitely i see an expert a lot of people have been talking about exhibitions so hopefully it works out you know i'm new so i'm hoping to see some better things happening soon if you have something going on and uh, you know you want to get word out and i can help then let me know okay cool i got a it's a magazine. They're doing another magazine article on me for a feature shoot. It's feature shoot. Feature shoot magazine is doing a spread on my work. And when is that coming out? No, it's actually on their site. It started on Instagram. They found me on Instagram and then they asked me to do, like I was an American photo magazine as well. That one. And now it's like another American photo magazine, but it's called feature shoot. They display uh, works from, I believe, all types of photography. So, you know, yeah, so I just finished writing a bit of um, a little bit of my life and uh, life story. And uh, I'll be in the newspaper probably in another month, too. They're working on a, a, what do you call it, a mini documentary. They're following me around and stuff like that. So there's a couple of things lined up, yeah. With the feature shoot magazine online, is that out now or is that coming out? No, it should be coming out within like the next day or two because everything's been sent, all the writings and all the pictures and the photos, whatever. So, I mean, I could shoot you an email and tell you if you, if you want to mention it, it would be great. Definitely, definitely will. Yeah, let me know as soon as that comes out and I'll, um, I'll set a reminder so I'll, yeah, I'll talk about it in the interview as well. It's always good to help each other out in this business. It really is. I've learned that. You bet. And I I really appreciate it, Andrew. Thank you for, for all your time and, and uh, being so graceful with me, man. Mate, it's my pleasure. It's been fun. It really has. And I look forward to following you and, uh, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, my friend. Thank you.